morning, we're live. Hi guys, welcome to the episode of the Sports Fan Podcast. I'm your host David, and what a weekend of football! Um, oh my goodness. Well, Arsenal are currently five points clear of the Premier League, um, Premier League, and then um, all of you who were um, who had a hand in making that a possibility, all of you deserve. All of you will get what's coming to you. <laughs> Oh my god. So going into the World Cup break, um Arsenal at top of the league, which is means these guys these people have forty three days to gloat and post about their Premier League table or <laughs> to even try the World Cup. Well, till after the World Cup uh, yeah, and sports are back to winning ways. It's very important to um get that win. Very, very important. I understand um I understand um the, the goals they will be considered too many goals but looking at the grand the, the way um the form was I think they won two in seven and winning two in eight was never a, wasn't gonna be a great especially going to the World Cup and the pressure and with that um, record behind their back so the back of their mind so I think it was very important that Spurs actually got back to winning ways in this game. And yeah and Man City um surprisingly losing at home um yeah so, so this episode we're going to be having a big story segment we're having that and the big story segment is ronaldo now the entire interview with piers morgan's um, piers morgan's uncensored it's not completely out though but we've seen snippets and we've seen clips and as usual on ex- or not a surprise um a lot of um wrong quotes uh, false quotes are actually coming out because people want to grow engagement and all that but so far there's only really two, two clips from piers morgan a 34 second clip and a one minute 21 second clip so there are really two clips that are out so any opinion I give so far will be based on those two clips and not based on what we've seen online because till maybe till Wednesday and Thursday when the other two come out and so it's going to be very interesting we can yeah the World Cup is close and I think I've spent too much time on this intro let's delve into this episode And we start at the Etihad Stadium. Um, here, Man City. Now, um, I'll I'll bet you, right? Pretty much, Man, I've always said this. Man City are that team that everybody likes to just stay at the top of the league, not because anybody supports them or because they care about them. It's just because they just want them there because they don't want any other toxic rival there. That's the only reason why people want Man City. So, going to this going to this international break, every big six or the, every member of the other every fan of the other five big six team or four. Every member of the other four big six, or rather, I would say five, including Man City fans. Why I want to exclude them is because you know uh, I'm saying this because I mean the other fans. So let's just say four of the other four big six teams wanted Man City to win this game. Why? Because we can't stand Arsenal's gloating, right? So most people wanted them, and number one, if they won, they'll probably be top till maybe after the World Cup break and all that. Well, Brentford put up and pull up an upset, uh, pull off, pulled off an upset. Um, they won 2 1. It's quite surprising with the manner with which they lost. Now, listen, I think a lot of these things actually come. Um, I, I know Haaland is devastating and goes confirmed, but I just didn't understand how Man City were just so poor in that game. And Akanji, Akanji, I think Akanji has a lot to. He has to play, bear some blame. And the funny thing was, if Antony actually had chances to even score a probably score a hat trick in that game and he's, even though he scored two yeah i mean it's a good performance and i took one of my fpl it's it's crazy how i took one of my fpl and i captained Haaland because i expected man city to breeze through brentford and none of that happened was well, actually tony i took off my team that even ended up scoring the two goals and it has to be devastating <laughs> i won't lie so i um, first go to um tony to take the lead Evan tony takes the lead and then um, man city equalized i think it was the 
14 sorry that was a very fantastic goal from 14 um i'm fine like this kind of goals it's those clean strikes those strikes are very clean and when they connect well i mean when they when they when they and the back of the nets they look very good and when they don't you know it could go to rosie but it was a really good goal from Foden. that's one 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 at that time now man still were pressing and pressing and everybody was thinking everybody now when at 90 at 90th minutes or 89th minutes when they usually pull up the board uh we saw 10 minutes at a time for man city people were like whoa they want man city to win this game <laughs> and surprisingly brentford go to the other end and put it to make it 2-1 i think it was a very good win for brentford Another thing is, I also think that it was very important that Brentford got that result because um, I think this air of invisibility must they have at home. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's it's a bad thing, but I'm saying that everybody looks at Manchester with a certain um, view, like this air of invisibility that they have, like they can't be touched, you know. If you, you can't do, and Brentford did a really good job on them. I mean, you, you can't say Brentford didn't deserve the win because they really played well in that game. And so it's this majority okay they are a fortress and they can't be touched well i think they've shown that they can't be and brentford has really gone there and actually done the job now if can other teams do the same thing because um, even apart from tony himself i remember frank oyenka actually had a chance to even score so brentford had chances not like it wasn't a smash and grab victory it was actually a proper victory that actually they went there did their job and won the game they had to win and so that's a good result for, for, for man city now so Man City, they lost that game. Now, as usual, a lot of my Arsenal supporting friends were all over the place and disturbing, you know, <laughs> just... <laughs> and yeah, so that's the end of that game. So let's go to Liverpool. Now, Liverpool started to Liverpool winning this game 3-1. Um, Liverpool, I don't think... I think Klopp was sent off. So I, what, what I saw, I think I saw the assistant. I think it was Linders in, in the... In the, um, in the court direct... In the manager's box. In the, in the coaching... What's the word for it? In manager's box or something like that. Whatever the Saturday they had, I think they had a new coach, Nathan. Was it Collins? I can't remember his name. So, um, Liverpool scored first, Firmino scored first, 1 0, and then they equalized through Che Adams. And the other two goals with Darwin Nunez. Now, Darwin Nunez has not been a flop, and I know it's quite an easy um, narrative to run with, but so far, he hasn't been a flop. He scored nine goals already for Liverpool this season. Now, yes, the for the price tag, should be scoring more. This was the only reason, listen. The only reason Darwin Nunez right, is being heavily criticized is because most Liverpool fans compared him with Haaland. They tried to compare with Haaland, right? And the performance of Haaland has been so good that most people even say, oh, oh we must take a step back. Like, how do I put it? Haaland has set the standard so high that Nunez is being judged very, very harshly for it. If you look closely, he hasn't been a flop. He hasn't. I mean, yes, the price tag, but I've always maintained that I think he's, he, the price tag is no fault of his own. I think he's a victim of his of the time and inflation. Because a lot of football, I think a lot of football fans have refused to leave. In, in football market, in the football market, a lot of football fans are still stuck in 2015 and 2016. And listen, I don't blame, I don't blame them. Even me sometimes, I, I find it difficult to really try to readjust. Inflation has happened. 20 million pound footballer is like the... Um, 15, no, it's like the five to ten million pounds footballer of 2015. That's how 20, what am I saying? 20 to 30 million pounds footballer is like the five to ten million pound footballer of 2015. It won't get you a lot. I, mean, I get a player who's the last year of his contract and all that. Maybe that's where it is, but in the player who has like for a player who has like maybe four years of his contract, three years of his contract, you're looking at the 50, 50, 50 pound, 50 million pound mark, depending on the league and depending on the position he plays in. If it's a striker, there are not many center forwards in the world today. So the, gonna, it's gonna be a premium, it's gonna be higher. So it is not that that is one of the reasons why even when, when fans criticize Richardson's price tag, I'm like, listen, do not do not kid yourself. 
you know, in as much as we want to be quick and all that, 35 million pounds, this is probably like 35, 45, 35 to 40 million pounds of 2015, 2014, you know, this is how much, I remember very well when we inside Matthew Musaku and 40 million pounds was the price tag that Villarreal were asking for. And over, that would probably made him the most expensive defender in the Premier League at the time. That if if Spurs actually paid that money, it's amazing how the most expensive Premier League is 80 million pounds. So you can see how I, I think a lot of people have not really tried to understand, or they've not really adjusted to the football market, and that's why some price tags people tend to overreact to price tags. You know nowadays in Premier League. And again, I'm, I'm, I belong to that school of thought where I do not care about price tags. I care more about you know, the, the player, is it good or not, if he jumps in, I don't care how much he's spending, it's not my money, it's not coming out of my pocket, so I don't know why football fans even care about price tags, <laughs> but that's why the way side. So Nunez, his goal return has actually been good, you know, yes, could even people have called more, but I think it's because it's the Haaland, if there was no Haaland, if there was no Haaland at all, fans would have been like, mm, you know, good goal return, like, man, you know, the goal return is quite good, but because there's Haaland playing and Haaland is scoring at quite an astronomical rate, you know, um, people are like, whoa, maybe this guy is, you know, um, he's a flop. And that's what, that's why I just think, and I'm going to, that's what I think though. But yeah, so good win for Liverpool, 3-1. Um, Nunez, the first, I like the first goal he scored. I mean, I always like have, I think it's more like a half volley. I like, I like volleys like that though. I thought it was a head at first. Then when I saw the replay, like, oh, it was his left foot. And then the second one, Robertson, that probably would have been an outside. I don't like the VRO decisions, right? I don't understand them. I mean, the Robertson, if you drew the line, probably, probably, you probably, probably, been, probably have been offside when you draw that line. But I just cannot understand why that wasn't. Because I mean, they, if it's like fine margins, yeah, I understand. Benefit of the doubt to attackers. Listen, I wouldn't have given that outside. But if I look at that thing, I'm like, I don't understand the lines this will draw because I've seen that kind of instance where they drew that line for somebody else and it was offside. And this is where I have, I have an issue with the consistency of the... I'm like, yes, I know in football, or rather in life, in technology, computers don't really make mistakes. It's more of what you feed it and it gives back to you. The question is, who is, what is, what is, are all the computers, are they being fed individual things? Is it the same? There's a point to be answered here because the decisions, the inconsistency decisions really makes, really surprises me. I'm not, and that's just my, my one. Yeah, and Bournemouth putting three past Everton. It was quite a good week for Bournemouth over Everton. I mean, they beat Everton 4 1 in the midweek for the League Cup um, third round knockout. And beating Everton 3 0 in this one was that. Something interesting happened. It will be, at the end of the game, it will be tried. So he took off his shirt and gave to the Everton fans. And then they threw it back at him. Well, that's embarrassing. Listen, um, for me, I know it sounds very clear. I know maybe I'm, I'm not an Everton fan, so I don't understand and I get it. But for me, I think I look at it as a gift, right? I would say he gives me shirts. I would take it. I would. I wouldn't throw it back at him. Yeah, I know you're upset and, and all, and all, but I think performances he will be put in all season for Everton. I don't think he deserves that kind of reaction. Maybe if it was a player who was just laboring about who has, but for the performances he will be as put in all season, I do not think he deserves that kind of reaction from the fans. But then again, the other fans they're upset that they lost. And if I'm if I'm the guy, I'll say, do I maybe because I'm so petty and really upset, right? I'll probably never give my shirt ever again, even when we win a game. I'll probably never do it again. It's just this is just me thinking because I'm that petty. <laughs> it's just me though. I probably would never ever say okay, give my shirt never again because of the way I maybe it's why I actually behave. I'm quite very I'm very very petty. But yeah, but um, three goals from Bournemouth. I it was very surprising. Everton has quite a good defensive record. I'm just surprised at how you know, it all fell apart and how they are no they, they no longer look they no longer look um 
um, defensively formidable again. I don't know why. Maybe over time, maybe the way they were defending wasn't sustainable. Maybe that was why. And you know, you could argue that the performance against Spurs, where they defended really deep and how they were not really really coming. And listen, I'm not, again, I'm not going to appreciate anybody's style of play. I'm not going to do that because I think there's no, there's more, there are more than one way to play football, and there's no, there's just no one correct way. You know, this is just what I'm, I'm going to say. And I'm going to stand by it though. But yeah, um. Um, sorry, the defending hasn't really been good for Everton, and since I'll probably say since that Spurs game, because um, their record hasn't been good. Since I think they lost to Leicester, if I'm not mistaken. If I remember correctly, they've lost to Leicester. But speaking of Leicester, Leicester will go to West Ham and put two past West Ham, and I am quite happy. Madison came off, I think he came off injured in 23 minutes or so. I haven't really followed up, then I haven't really checked to know if he's okay, if he's fine. I hope he's fine because as somebody who has advocated for him to go to the World Cup all season, I personally argue that he is the best, uh, the most informed midfielder that England have. You know, I and looking for the record from last season, I know that I've always argued that. I mean, if you listen to my episodes before, I've always talked about. Um, Madison in glowing terms, so it's not even a good, it's not even a new, it's not like I'm jumping on a bandwagon, it's like I, I've always rated the guy. So, when he was, I, I wanted to go to the World Cup, you know, when he came off in your average, everybody was set, afraid and you know, worried, but it's good that he um, they bounced back and then they, they won this game 2 um, 0. Good performance from, from Leicester, and um, it's a, I, I like the, I don't know, Rogers was on everybody's favorite sack list. Sacris in number one, everybody's favorite for the Sacris. Surprising that he has moved to turn it around. There are two things here. Um, I would really give him a lot of credit. And listen, over the summer, Leicester's refusal to sign new players and a new goalkeeper. And so, speaking of goalkeeper, surprisingly, Daniel Ward, whom everybody will make, was making fun of, he has kept the most clean sheets in the Premier League. It's surprising. This is Daniel Ward we've all been making fun of, right? Early in the season, and to find out that he has kept the most clean sheet is it's astonishing. So in the summer, when you're talking about Leicester not signing players, a lot of the arguments Leicester provided were, or the defense they provided were, um, last season they had a lot of injury issues and a lot of their players were injured. So those players who were injured, they will be like new signings because last season they didn't participate a lot, which is true. They did have injuries, an injury issue a lot. They had a lot of injury issues last season. So they said, listen, a lot of all these players that were out injured, that they would, um, excuse me, that these players were out injured and they are returning back, they will be like a new signing, so they will be fresh and they will integrate them to the side. So I was like, eh, that doesn't sound good. But I said, okay, I would understand. But I said, Leicester fans may just really consider, you know, um, maybe at this game. And again, they sold for fun and brought in um, this centre back, this Belgian centre back. I can't remember his pronoun. Is it Fate? F A E T or something like that. Can't, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name or wrongly pronouncing it. I apologize if I am. So, um, the brown in that guy. And even as it started, he, looked, he did look quite shaky. I mean, a lot of fans were making fun of him. But this is the thing. Even in those losses Leicester were having, right? I'll go back to the game against Arsenal when they lost 4 2. They had spells where they played well, especially when they changed their shape. The, the, what let them down in that game was the, the goalkeeper. A lot of it was the goalkeeper, and a lot of it was the goalkeeper. Yeah, I think a lot of it was goalkeeper. I remember Joe Ward, the the one of the I think two of the goals was four for two of the goals, and then also their defending let them down. But offensively, they did you know offer a threat to Arsenal in that game. So I looked at it. I said, I personally do not really believe that this guy is um, as bad as. Okay, no, let's say that. Let me rephrase it. I was like, listen, maybe there might be. I noticed that there might be um, some hope for them, right? The way they were playing. And even in the game against Spurs, 
Now, yes, you could argue that sports defensively all over the place, but a lot of those their defeats earlier on were down to the goalkeeper. And I was always talking about why I thought they should have signed Nick Pope or Dubravka. From now, Dubravka has left Newcastle. Maybe they have probably signed somebody better because as it, sta- as it stood at the time, they needed somebody better. They needed much better than what they were they were getting in their in their defense in their back line or whatever. And that was what I was noticing. But it's good that they've turned themselves around. That's one, by the way. And also, I think I would probably have to give um, um, the Leicester board kudos for not, you know, sacking Rogers for not just going with the bandwagon and just, you know, um, sacking Rogers just like Liz, but they just stuck by him. That could be a good thing. And the fact that also during the summer, Rogers was actually going to war with them. Not of, of maybe not overtly most of the time, maybe quite covertly, but you could just t- sense that both sides were on different sides of the spectrum. But Eventually, I think Preventive came to a common ground. But for the summer that they've had and the early season form that Leicester have had, I would say Leicester have played really well. I would say they've done well to turn their form around. Um, Daka is doing good. I mean, I was Daka is looking good again, uh, which, which is obviously. And I, I think they've prepared to... They've, he's probably clearly going to be their first-year striker. And Madis, sorry, um, Vardy is clearly being phased out slowly and slowly, which is understandable. Age is not on the side and it's it's not quite normal. And so Leicester look like they're in good position. And they're up, I think they're 12 or 11 right now, which, you know, quite a very good um, quite a very good um, return considering how they started the season. <clears throat> and the next one here is um, the sports game. Now, we uh, back to winning ways, 4-3. I watched this entire game and I won't lie, um, the, the reason why the result was like this was more of the attack doing so much um, covering up for the defense. This was what this game was mostly about. The attack doing all the work, doing much work for the defense, the defense just having to hold on, and they, and they just. Now a lot of the conversation about um, the sports sports game. Now um, after after losing the last two games in all competitions, I mean the League Cup and the game against um, Liverpool. I think a lot of fans, I remember last time I said, listen, I just want the World Cup to just come and just, you know, the World Cup to just let the season just end and then everybody just keep in mind. I just want to just see it out. And then when the World Cup break happens, you know, every, when everybody comes back refreshed, because I always, I had this theory that a lot of the players, I think a lot of them were playing for the, to save themselves for the World Cup. And I understood, but, you know, so you know, the detriment of the team, and this is one reason why I always hated the World Cup. The reason for not wanting the World Cup to, to happen, I would say it has a lot more to do with the time it's happening and the impact of it on the season rather than maybe the it was more of that because i mean mid-season and then the world cup final is i think when everybody returns to the world cup final then everybody comes back playing boxing day game again so which is almost like few, less than how many days left i mean it's 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 just all over the place it's just clearly i know everybody wants to get this over with and i understand but it's just just one of those things now um so the game was as i was saying right back to the game so we start the game, um, and then Chris Crescendo Somerville. Now I have a bone to pick with you, right? Against Arsenal, you didn't score. <laughs> now since that game, you've scored in every game against um, Bournemouth. So against Liverpool, against Bournemouth, and now against Spurs, bro. What the, what is going on here, man? <laughs> What's going on here? I mean, the game against Arsenal, didn't, and, it, and the game against Arsenal, right? I would I wouldn't say it was fairly easy. Fairly because I think he should have scored. I mean, let's be real, he should have scored. Most players should have scored that kind of goal, but he didn't. He missed the blaze over the bar. And now, since that day, you just found your scoring boots. Now, <laughs> so they score first. Now, now, this game was like uh, a boxing match because it was like one punch, one punch, one punch. And then, let's say, I would say it, I would, I, I would compare it to four rounds in a boxing match or four rounds, or rather, wait, one goal, one goal, one goal. 
um, I'll say seven rounds or six or eight rounds, eight rounds in a boxing match, which each um, each um, team actually punching, getting knocked. So the first goal, um, Leeds get the first one, the knockout, and then Spurs equalize with Hurricane. Quite controversial. I listen. If that goal was given against Spurs, I would have been livid. I mean, remember what I said about. Um, I one thing I've always said is listen in football matches, referees may be very bad, and the referee was actually not very good in that game. He was actually making some really weird decisions in that game. I've always maintained that if you lose a game, it's not because of the referee, not the referees always make mistakes. And in that kind of game, that was a mistake they made. I was surprised that Vera didn't rule that out. I was surprised. In fact, when he scored, when Kane scored that goal, it was a very good goal. When Kane scored that goal, I was actually very surprised that Villa, I thought it was going to be rude, I didn't celebrate. And I was like, wow, it's given, you know, <laughs> it was 1-1. So that was like this other punch, bam, Spurs gave their punch back, right? And then, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, sorry. So Spurs gave their punch back. Or when I say eight rounds, or just say in a one boxing, in one round, right? So one punch, one punch, one punch, and then depending, <laughs> that kind of thing. So um, Spurs equalized. Very so. I was actually okay. Now Longley actually ran into Myla. Uh, Myla was very. It was just very pretty obvious that he did. And then Myla couldn't. I was thinking it was gonna be. It wasn't gonna be given. I was thinking it was gonna be rude. And then it was one-one. And then suppose. And then um, Leeds score again to make it two-one. Now the the manner of the goal. I that was very annoying. It was very annoying because it's again. It is all about the defense. It just summed up the defense all over the place. And it also reminded us why. Dyer should no should shouldn't shouldn't be be starting. Listen, I've always maintained that. I mean, during the summer, I've always maintained that. Listen, sports need to get somebody in. Yes, Dyer played well towards the end of his last season. Yes, I get it. But getting somebody better to come in and let him to play at that, because I've always said even before that I even said that. So trying to play at that level he's playing, trying to remain there, he has to fight with somebody for that sport. And I've always said that for me to change my mind on Dyer, I have to see 15 to 20 consecutive games. Of him playing at that level that he played at for him playing at that level right 15 to 20 games of it not stop start stop start stop. i'm talking about 15 to 20 consecutive games of that and then i would change my mind and and like i said it's not possible because you know you, you can't teach it uh, no dog new tricks and that's just the way it is it's just summary and he was played on side rodrigo was played on side and then he scored quite a good goal I, again i have like i have volley if i'm not mistaken and then scored 2-1 Sports equalizing now. The first half ends 2 1. Um, like, quick, let me talk about Emerson Royale. Now, the first, the entirety of the first half, um, in summary, was just was just what some sports up the entire season, right? Losing at first, trailing at first after the first half, which is basically what sports have has happened to sports all season. Either they're trailing at first half or it's drawing at first half. When was the last time sports entered the first half on the leading? I can't remember with a lead. I can't remember the I can't actually remember a game where sports, I think the Nottingham Forest game. Away where they were leading, and then they ended the first half leading. I can't remember a game when sports where, where they ended the first half and then in the lead. They, I can't remember, I can't, honestly, I can't. But they have, they probably, they, they probably have, but I can't remember a game that they've ended the first half in the lead. So, um, 2 1, and then the Mercenary was poor again. And listen, if it, I, I, I'm at that point where I stopped criticizing the Mercenary, yeah, because again, I said this before. I will stop, I won't stop saying it as long as he keeps playing. I won't stop saying it. You know what he's gonna give you, you know what he's capable of, you know what he's gonna bring to the table, right? You know. If you know what's gonna be on the table, why are you upset at him for, for doing exactly what you expect him to do? And not at the person who's picking him. Because the insistence of Conte to you just after watching Spence in midweek, I understand maybe Spence that could, but listen, man, 
in Doherty was there, you could have started Doherty at least. At least Doherty at least should have started. It's like with Kluseski back and Kluseski, Kluseski even in an interview was talking about how he likes playing with Doherty. And if and unsurprising because during last season, during the end of last season, Doherty and Kulusevsky sort of struck up a very good partnership on that right side. So it is not really a surprise that they actually looked good in that in that um that they actually look good together. And it's not a surprise that Kulu actually said, Oh, I like playing with Doherty, right? Back to the game. So the first event and Royale should have soon have started the game and the fans really made made him aware that they don't like him. And again, you know, football fans and you come back on Twitter and everybody's criticizing and saying, Listen, even after the even, I, I like the fact that the fans made their voice heard and let them know, listen, I'm not happy with what was we're not happy with what was seen. Because what is it? and people come online and say, I don't support booing your own player. Well, that is fine, I agree. People say you don't support it. Well, difference of opinion here. <coughs> the fans don't like the guy, right? And he's not playing well. I love the reasons why they don't like him. Apart from the fact that he's not playing well. I mean he gets worse by the game and and it was so bad. I think he missed a sitter in that game to make it one-one, which sort of cor- Summed up Leeds also because Leeds defensively were very bad. Missed a sitter, there's no way Blaze Blaze it over the bar, which he should have scored. I mean, he was getting to good positions, but decision making offensively wasn't good. I also had this argument last season where I said, even offensively, even when he was playing well last season, and offensively, he still wasn't very good. And I was, someone was arguing with me, I was like, okay, and now you see with your eyes that offensively, he still isn't. It's not his, and listen again, I'll say this, it's not his fault that he is, you know, offensively bad because he just wasn't, he's just never his strength. I would blame the person who keeps picking him to play offensive, play offensively, and that's just where I. But like, that's what my. But like, back to the point where the fans not, not or the fans booing him. Well, that's a more of a different opinion thing. I, I think the fans were frustrated. I mean, if you and even I was watching the, even on TV, right? When I was watching the game, somebody was really berating them, and it was it was the the VT Sports, uh, <laughs> the the um the, the thing I was watching, right? It was it was um. It was um what was I saying sorry. <laughs> I was hearing it through the screen and it was a lot of swear words. He was abusing them. <laughs> Someone was like credit to that fan who made his voice heard. I mean a lot of the fans were frustrated. So being booing Emerson was and Emerson was poor off his staff. There's one day he gave the ball away to the opponent. Now I, I read a tea. Somebody was saying that it was two things, right? So now he's bad, he's bad, but a lot of the basics and the fans are not really helping him out. Listen, I'm I'm not buying this logic. You know I'm not buying it because the fans pay their hard-earned money to come. These players are paid heavily, so you are paid heavily not because you, um, not just because of your strength and all that. Yeah, apart from that, you are paid heavily. That should manage whatever. That should mean that you should work so hard to be able to play around all this pressure. That's the reason why you are pro, and we are not. So the excuse where people say the fans should be behind you, the fans can't be behind you if you're not playing well, and it's your responsibility to play well. You can't say because the fans are not behind me, I'm not going to play well. Well, okay, okay. You know what are you going to do? You are going to end up um, shooting yourself in the foot by doing that. So I'm not really some. I'm not. I'm, I don't belong to that school of thought that says you know the fan, You need the fans. Yeah, the fans maybe they may play a part, but sometimes I really think that you know putting putting. Okay, fine. Let, let's let's put it this way. The fans play a part, right? I get it. But you can't put more responsibility on the fans and less on the player because we know very well that the player is the one that has to do every most of the job on the pitch. We're not playing. We're not going to help him play the ball. You know, and Emerson Rella's in poor season. So the fans are frustrated and then they have to make their voices. So again, I understand why you go upset. And then they booed him and they really leave it at you know and the way it was what it was setting up. And it was taking off, right? And then second half comes along and sports start playing. Sports equalized 2-2 via Ben Davis. Kulusevsky again playing well. Okay. Kulusevsky playing well. He had a hand in that goal. I mean the first one, 
to make it tutu, right? Um, was it? Yes, tutu. Yeah, the, the, it was on Ben Davis make it tutu. Then there was a pass from him, played to him, right? And then he beat uh, Cooper, and then he played across. He was defended back at least, and then Davis played short in, bam, to score tutu. And then San Conte makes a sub, and I criticized the sub. I won't lie. Brought on Sanchez and brought on uh, Doherty, right? And I wasn't happy with the Sanchez substitution. I won't lie. I wasn't happy. And when I'm in Real, I went to the fans cheered and we were clapping. Yes, you know. <laughs> yeah, but so let me. I think I'm wasting too much, dwelling too much on this game. So let me just speed up my um, my review of it. So um, two, 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 um, two, two at that time. Now Rodrigo makes it three two. Again, boxing master continues. Bam, bam. For neutrals, they enjoyed it. It was going end to end like a tennis game, right? You turn right, turn left, turn right, turn left, turn right, turn left. Similar to that. Go right, go left, like Wimbledon. So um, three two, and for, again, I, I before this goal, so I tweeted. I said scoring is not the problem for sports. It is defending. Can the defense hold? Because the goals they've all considered, they considered all game, it has really been disappointing. And then, yeah, and the goal, like, that goal considered was bad. Because from midfield, they just, nobody wanted to get the ball. It was like, do you want this game? Everybody was just strolling around. It was like, Ben Zaka was the only one running around at some point. I was like, come on. The ball went, and again, I won't, I won't blame Sanchez a lot for that goal. Yes, you might, but I think it's quite unfair to blame him for that. Because Spurs already pushed him and they're ready to attack. So, um, it was more of the midfield that lost the ball. And then they were able to feed the ball to Rodrigo. And when I saw, it, I was like, yes, with a very, with a, with quite a good enough shot and a good enough um, um, placing, he will score, and he did score to make it three-two. And at that point, people thought the game was going to be over. I, was, I felt it wasn't over. I think a lot more was to come. And um, and how correct I was because um, um, Benton Core scores to make it three-three, and that's his third goal already in the season. I think it's third goal. Was it third or is? I think he scored four already. For me, he scored four goals. I, I, I think he scored against them. Um, he scored against um, Leicester. He scored against yeah Bournemouth, and he scored he scored two against um, yeah. So he scored. That was his third goal in the game, and then he scored the winner to make it four. Kulusevski again. Listen, I want to shout out that that assist from Kulusevski. I really want to. The final touch before he. But listen, when the pass was played, it was like this from Sanchez to Kane, and Kane passed feet Kulusevski. That touch that he made, right? I mean, I, I think maybe the release defender expected that he was going to play at first, and then that touch. I don't know how to explain it, but you just have to see it yourself. I mean, it was so beautiful to see. You know what about football? Eh? The basics can be interesting to watch. You know, I know a lot of us we like we like the skill, we like the intricacies, we like all those passing and all of that stuff, those defense playing passes. But you see moments like that that look so simple. They look so simple, but they are very difficult to pull off. It's that kind of thing. I, I just can't appreciate that simplicity enough. You know, the pass, it just touched it a bit. To give him that extra yard, and the defender couldn't touch him, and then he just played across, and Benzema got scores to make it four-three. A brace in the game, a week to the World Cup. Um, I think everybody's going home happy. So the game ends four-three, and also Bissouma also came on in the game um, later. I think he make it like a just go for Charleston. I understand taking off Charleston. Maybe the World Cup is close, and you know makes a lot of sense for him to run around. Just coming from injury, so it makes a lot of sense why it made a lot of sense why he didn't play. And a lot of people already on Richardson's back um, for because his goal returns are not showing yet. I personally think it's a bit harsh. Um, this is my take on Richarlison, right? He hasn't really had a chance to start a lot of games. Let's be real. How many times when he joined? Okay, the first game he played against Southampton. The game against Chelsea, he came on later in the second half, but he changed that game. He didn't really start that game. He changed that game later. So he didn't really. Play. He changed that game when he came on against Chelsea. The Nottingham Forest game, he assisted. I think he has two assists already this season so far. So 
And also, he has, been, he has been playing on the right. He hasn't had a chance to play centrally. He hasn't had a chance to play more offensively. On the right, he has looked very bad. So I don't even understand why he's being harshly criticized. I really don't understand. It's, I know it's quite easy to jump to the narrative, but Richarlison is not a right winger. And more of the he has played more of his games this season on that, in that position. And he clearly isn't the guy. I'm, I'm tired of arguing with people about it. I'm really tired. And yes, maybe he played on the left in this game. He should have done better. Maybe, yeah. But in the game against Wolves, even when he, played on, he just came back from injury. In the game against Wolves, when he played, played, played on the left, on that left-hand side where he, he could come inside with his right foot, he did create chances that he probably could have scored in multiple chances. So he hasn't looked bad. Even in the game against Fulham, where he must move centrally, he scored but was offside. He has, he, in the game against Fulham also, his link-up play was quite good in that game. So I don't really understand... Um, why you know, and also he hit the bar in that game against Fulham. So, again, I think it's very harsh to reside with Charles, and I really do. You know, if you, nobody's looking at it in the context, I think everybody just wants to be like a lot of people had issues with the price tag in the summer. I get it, but a lot of people I feel like they are trying to be, I told you so, by all means, they're trying to hold on to that. I told you so, and nobody's looking at things in context. And I think it's quite dishonest to really hold on to that narrative so much. Listen, by the time he is back after preseason, after sorry, after the short, short break in the World Cup. I think Richarlison will be a different animal. I really do. I really, I really, I'm really. I'm probably one of the last few who is on Richarlison's side at the moment because most people are really turning on him, and I'm, I'm not going to do that because I, I really think, you know, I think there's a lot to come from him, and I think it's very harsh. Even in the Champions League, in the Champions League game, in the two, he scored two goals, right? Two headers, two good headers. The goals he scored in those games, he scored them from a more central position. Kulisewski was playing on the right-hand side. So he didn't really play on the wings. So he's much better when he's not required to bring up, build up play from the back and things like that. He's not required to do that. Then he's not... To... Again, I don't understand. I, I think it's very harsh to... It's been harsh on Richarlison. Personally, I think it has been. But then again, a lot of people just... Everybody with their opinions and I think it's fine. Everybody has their, their right to their opinions and, you know, it's okay. You know... Then the next game here was um, so Son winning that game 4-3. And then Sonny, Son obviously Champions League World Cup. I don't know, there's nothing much to say. I just really like the fact that we just won this game and just the defense, there's a lot to work on. And then again, so Romero being missing and Romero conveniently being available training for Argentina in the next day was very interesting. A lot of fans were already on his back and criticizing him, which and rightly so. Listen, I think the fans have the right to do so. Again, some fans who are saying uh, we're hating. Nobody's hating on Romero. Hey, listen. Football fans, into under- I think it's one thing with sports fans. They've been so used to bad defenders. Where look, the first time they see a quality defender, they're afraid to criticize. Oh, anything he does is right. Listen, I'm not saying we're not saying that he, he. Listen, the with the um, conspiracy theory that he's faking an injury for the World Cup, it was proven right by him doing that the next day. Do not even come here and try and gaslight fans into saying that oh they don't they're like they're the bad guys here. They have every right to feel that way. Okay. If you didn't play all week, you didn't play all week, and then the next day you're training for Argentina, you didn't even watch the final game before you jet off for Argentina. You were not even there to watch the final game. A lot of fans will feel hard done by that. Maybe you're. And this is another thing again. I think there's two things. I think sports need to sign quality defenders for two reasons. One, aside or three reasons rather. Aside the obvious fact that number one is obviously to play better, to defend better, and looking at the way we defended against Leeds, clearly we need better defenders. Two, players like Romero, players like that, all these players will not really have a reason to want to play out and hide you know try to fake an injury or i'm not saying it's faking an injury but that conspiracy theory would not be fair because most fans will not really care because now you have to fight for your sports right that's two three a lot of football fans in the sports fan base it's like it's like this it's like this teenager who has who's dating a beautiful girl for the first time that's the way it's like sports it's like you've never seen a court defender like this before in their life 
and so they will do anything possible to defend and not to make sure that oh let's not let's not piss him off i mean the girl is doing you dirty she's she's um she's abusing you she's doing every she's abusing you she's dragging your name she's embarrassing you but yeah because she's beautiful and you've never seen a beautiful girl before dead a beautiful girl in your life before and then you you are you are letting everything slide you're not criticizing anything you're not really standing your ground and this is similar here that's the analogy i can draw from this because you're a lot of sportsmen are behaving i just don't understand if this was sanchez or dyer i assure you the the um the, <laughs> the reaction will be completely different again i again south americans they value their country over their club i understand especially argentines i understand that and listen i understand but to mitigate this, supposed to just sign quality defenders in instead, just sign sign quality defenders in general. I, I know they are saying it's one, but I think you should get two. I really do. Get two quality defenders in, you know, such that you will not really have to worry much about this. And then that's just it for me. That's my take on it. But yeah, the next game was Nottingham versus Crystal Palace. Um, Nottingham Forest winning this game one. Not much to talk about Zaha missing. But what I have to talk about in this game is the the, the offside goal. I mean, that was offside. I watched that multiple times. That was offside from Gibbs White, Morgan Gibbs White. That was offside. I never understood why. I don't understand why it was given. I've still not understood why. Again, back to the point I made earlier. I said, computer is garbage in garbage that I get it. Now, what garbage is being fed into these computers? That's the question I'm asking. Because I don't know how that was outside. It was really drill. Well, how, what are they going to draw? He was outside. He was clearly outside. What are you drawing? Did you draw him? Honestly speaking, I don't understand this. You're not making it reference. This feeds back, point back to my point. Nobody is being targeted. In Premier League, there's something wrong with refereeing in the general and a lot of football fans and maybe because few persons are not really wanting to become referees, there's a shortage of refereeing. Personally, I would be, I would, I would do, I would do it if, 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 if I had the chance. I would consider taking a job, you know, of doing that. I would personally, I would consider it. <laughs> the difference is you probably be hated. <laughs> Just kidding. You probably be hated by everybody, which is normal. I mean, there are games where you play, but it's not an easy job. I, it's not an easy job, and there's always a human error there. But I'm, in when your computer, computer has been brought in to help you out, I can't understand why. And some, like computer said. Um, when the at this point the computer is being listen man no say the truth and look at it with your eyes that's that's offside and that was not to be given but it was given and surprising and that cost the Crystal Palace the game by losing one nil yeah the next game it was Crystal Palace Newcastle versus Chelsea again Newcastle continue their fine form currently third in the league I like the way they've um, they've done their business again I, I'll praise them again last two windows were very key to them and they've shown that it can be done in such a short space of time. They were relegation favorites this time last year. Now, with two windows, January and the summer window, they've recruited well. Sven, but the January window is very important. One marquee signing, bringing in you know, Gimarash, Gimarash in January, in January, and then the transformation of Joel Linton to this quality midfielder he currently is, and then having him and Gimarash in midfield. Wow, what a combo! And then bringing in Kieran Trippier to upgrade their right back side or right wing back because they play with a back three. Um, bringing, was it the back three? Also, I can't remember how they play. Uh, bringing in is it factor three four three whatever so bringing in guys to, bring, to upgrade their to give them that extra um, buffer in to upgrade their right back position uh bringing in chris woods as a striker and then the summer the summer window is also important Sven botsman bringing in Sven botsman i think they needed a defender because yeah dan burn was there but they needed a quality defender was reverting dan burn in january so the priority in january was to stay up and the priority now is to move up the ladder which they've done really well and eddie howie kudos to him again he has really 
improved. I think he has learned a lot from that offseason away from Bournemouth, where he, I think he went to Atletico Madrid, learned with their defending and all that, and then came back. I think now he has looked really good. There's a healthy balance between defense and attack with Newcastle and beating Chelsea. Now with Chelsea, again, uh, Chelsea have they they don't they tried they did well because of the fact that over the years, um, they are they didn't really have to. They had such a quality spine. I said it from my last episode. Quality spine. We're such a distracted manager. Whoever comes as a new manager, they probably could coach themselves at that point. I think they've lost that. Abramovich now leaving, you know, they sacked. Again, I said Boli sacking took care was too early. And then the replacement was on it was even worse. Because listen, no matter how you want to spin it, it's a downgrade on from Potter to Tukel is a downgrade. No matter how you want to spin it. On CV, on record, no matter how you want to spin it, it's a downgrade. Um, and Chelsea are not a tr- Chelsea are not a trusty process team. Their fans have been spoiled so much that you can't really do a trusty process with Chelsea. And the way Chelsea have been playing with Potter, it's, it doesn't really look good. You know, and I, I, I honestly speaking, honestly speaking, again I've said the sacking was too early. Look at what the look at what was available. What was look if you look at what was available and what you know you had, I think keeping two care was much important than waiting after the, and waiting after the World Cup was much better than sacking him even though yeah, they were losing games here and there but i think in, in, in long run i mean i may say this again sound like a broken record again but it's just the truth and i don't know how long it's gonna take you could argue that graham potter hasn't have had a window yet that is true but there is also the factor of um making do what you have and so far he hasn't really done yes the champions league has done well you know winning games they have to win but at the end of the day football is very fickle you know you can be a hero today and be a villain tomorrow they play well in some games, they haven't really looked good in the league, and that's why it's it worries a lot of fans and pisses them off. Now, um, with took on Graham Potter, I think a lot of fans again I said my last episode with Brighton, the way Brighton has played performed since Potter has left, it makes you wonder if you know sometimes the lack of goals on Bright on Brighton's side when Potter was there had a lot more to do with Potter than Brighton as a team because they had a lot of XGO go games without scoring and people are not noticing those things and now Chelsea people are noticing these things and it's worrying and also again the recruitment apart from blaming Porter there's only the recruitment side of things you know um, Koulibaly I mean I wanted Koulibaly at sports and again I would still maintain that I probably think he would have done a better job at sports maybe playing in the centre of the back three than Eric Dyer. I think he would have done a better job um that's by the wayside though. Maybe his, his, his powers are dwindling, but I think he's probably done a lot more better than that diet sports. But that's my two cents. Then um, Aubameyang, you know, he's still not creativity is still not is still a problem. I said it a lot even after that game last week against Arsenal. So I don't really understand. It's a two edges, it's two problems. So maybe in general we might see what you're doing. And even signing Nkuku won't even solve it because you know they have a lot because Nkuku is the one they're likely to get now. They're trying to get ahead of everybody and sign him now ahead of next season. I don't really know, but we'll see how that goes. And what is Arsenal? Well, in this game, um, Arsenal win this game 2 0. Two goals from Udigard. Um, <laughs> why this is very funny is I think there are some decisions in this game where uh, a lot of football fans, I'm saying this, a lot of football fans saying referee, Arsenal fans saying referees are out to get them. Well, I think you've seen referees that went your way in this game. So I'm, I am happy that all those talking points are dying slowly. Those usual talking points we hear from referees, oh, referees are out to get us. Well, no, they are not to get you. It's more of your team not playing well and then referees out to get you. And also, if you play very well, more often than not, if you play well, decisions tend to go your way more often than not when you play well. It's it's like that with football. And also, football fans, a lot of football fans never really notice this. But if you look, check this out. We managed to do a lot last season too. Even with Chelsea, some of the bigger teams, when you play against smaller teams, referees decisions tend to go your way sometimes when you're playing well because maybe your fans are on your side. And referees are human. So, 
fans emotions you know things like that I, it's something like i'm not saying that they're but i, I think there's a, i think in general there's a general problem with with competence in referring in the premier league there's a general issue with competence that's by the wayside but i don't think it's it impacts the game yes maybe sometimes it does but i don't think it impacts that much the, the match as much as people try to make it look like because even in games where you win referees make bad decisions and you know get away with it that's by the wayside so yeah, Arsenal winning this game means they went five points clear. And again, I spoke to one of my Arsenal supporting friends. We had a conversation. I was talking about, even though everybody has said that, I, I've always said that I think the weakling in Arsenal's defense was Gabriel. And um, Gabriel wasn't a weakling. It was actually Saliba. And funny thing was, Saliba has actually had made mistakes in some last few games. It's just down to reputation again. Uh, you see, in football, once you start to have a reputation, it's hard to shake it off. So if you have a reputation as a, as a rough guy, even when you are started becoming good, people know you as a rough guy, they will refuse to change their mind. If you are a nice guy already, they, they hold on to it. So even if you have some explosive moments, people will try it. And there's people who hate you also, they will not want to accept that you're a nice guy, which is which I understand. I don't think anybody's a nice guy. I think yeah, yeah, we can ask, they can be nice to an extent, but I think in football, when you're on that pitch, you can't really be nice all the time. It's it's just the way the game goes. But that's what he was saying. So um um, Saliba made mistakes in this game, which is surprise, which is very. But most people don't really notice it because he has his reputation already. The way he started his season, he hasn't really looked really bad. He, hasn't, he started his season very well, so it doesn't really look bad. Now Arsenal being five points clear, a lot of Arsenal fans are gloating. Well, um, I, I I hope that they crumble. I really do hope they crumble. And listen, if if this having this level, they get to this level means that they are at this level performance and they are at this level at this period. If they fall, if they fall, if they fall from this, like when they if they fall and they are fall taking those dive, oh my goodness, I will be so happy about it because you know why? This would mean that the banter will even be sweeter because why? They bragged all. So <laughs> I don't remember a start also. I think the last um, five times Arsenal have been top at Christmas, they have um, not gone on to win the. They've um, they probably I think they, they've been top at Christmas. They've not won the league also. Also, they've won their first. They're among the first few teams that won their first. Is it 11 games or 12 games? They're the only team that didn't win the league. So, there are a lot of stats against, against them. And also, listen, Premier League teams have to take them seriously now. You know what is... Oh, when they, listen again. Don't take us now seriously. When they, you say when they face this... Well, they face sides that you expect them to lose to and they've not lost this game. So, I think at this point, we have to take them seriously. Everybody has to go out and say, okay, now to take them seriously. You want to be champions? Okay, fine. Let's take it seriously now. Because everybody, nobody, nobody, should, nobody should dare and say they're not... And no one fans can tell me that they're not the challengers because the way they've been they've been talking and they've been gloating, you are title challengers. Accept it. If you like try to hide under the river, it's tough for. I'm not accepting that because deep down in you and the way they've reacted on Twitter, it has shown that they are all they all believe that they're title contenders. So that it's not my words, it's their words. And again, AFTV has not been fun since this season started because Arsenal have been playing well. <laughs> so disappointing. But yeah, that's the end of that one. And then the next game is Brighton versus Aston Villa. Um, Brighton losing this game 2-1. Um, it's quite surprising. Um, I, I think Brighton will be fine. Again, I think these are games where they, they will lose the old one here and there, but I think they'll be fine in general. And Fulham versus Manchester United. Fulham winning this, um, losing 2-1 to Man United. Um, Ganacho, is it Ganacho? I can't remember his name. Ganacho score, um, winning this, winning, scoring the winner. And then when we return after the, on Boxing Day, there's going to be a lot of fixtures on Boxing Day. I mean, it's Boxing Day, 27th of December and 28th of December. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, there's a lot to look forward to after the international break, after the um, World Cup break is over. But I'm happy that we um, 
sports energy on the on the winning run on the win with the win and then um, everybody can go back and everybody can come back refreshed i'm looking forward to seeing how um besuma and um Kulus- besuma kulusevsky they're not going to the world cup um it's probably the two of them i'm looking forward to see how they will look when they return after the world cup i'm very because again i've always maintained that sports look very good when kulusevsky plays and it has always been like that and as you've seen in the last two games the game against liverpool in second half against liverpool and the game against um um Leeds United, as you've seen, Swords lead play much better with Kulu playing. So I really think you know after the break is gonna be very important. Again, I also, I also said that I think Spurs should have would have done those points that Spurs dropped when Kulusevsky was injured. I think Spurs would have probably won those games or, or gotten points from those games. I mean I look back at the North London derby in that game, how Richarlison was struggling on the right wing and clearly he wasn't the right winger, he was struggling, he wasn't playing very well. If you could win the penalty in that game, imagine what Kulusevsky would have done in that game. Man, I, I really, everything. And again, Kulusevsky is really, 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 really the most important player. So that's why it's important that by January, Spurs need to get somebody in who can play the role for him. Now, a lot of fans watch Manilowski for Atalanta against um, Atalanta over the weekend against Napoli. A lot of fans complain about how he played, and I, I didn't really watch it though, but. Again, just want to remember he hasn't played a lot for Atlanta, so uh, I don't I, I don't really know if I would judge him based on that, but that's that's my two cents on that. But that's it. So um, let's go to the victory segment, and then we'll talk about um, Ronaldo, and then we wrap we'll wrap it up. Ronaldo, yeah, I'll wrap it up. Okay, so um, on the big story, we're not, we're not doing here. I'm, I, I think my 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 opinions on this. I mean, you all know my opinions. If you listen to my episodes, all if you regularly listen, I've always talked about um, Ronaldo, him not joining Man City, him not him joining him not joining Man United, and him me saying Man City. Listen, I've always had I've had this view of the this opinion about um, uh, Premier League teams. This opinion about um, Premier League drivers. I've always said this, right? The Manchester derby. I don't really think it's as hyped as amongst a lot of United fans as the media wants it to be. I think the real rivalry is between Man United and Liverpool. And it shows every time, every season. The way United fans, even United fans used to come and see noisy neighbors. It's like this. The way Sports versus West Ham is like, it's similar to how Man City versus Man um, United is like. It's like this, right? Yes, they are rivals, I get it. You know, they are rivals on the same location and all that. But if you look at rivals, they don't swap. Players hardly play for both teams and maintain their legendary status. For example, Scott Parker is seen as, I won't call him a legend per se, but he's loved by a lot of sports fans. Scott Parker. Jermaine Defoe is loved by a lot of sports fans. Canute, you know, loved by a lot of sports fans. But these three players don't want any common. They played for West Ham also. They played for Spurs. So, is it really as much as... And back to my son, United also. Schmeichel. Schmeichel is Peter Schmeichel. is seen as a legend as United, right? But he played for Man City. Did he diminish his status? Mm, not that much. Um, who else? Owen Hargreaves. Okay, fine. Owen Hargreaves maybe wasn't a legend, but he doesn't have that hated. He's not hated. He doesn't have that hated tag. Even Rooney. When Rooney threatened to cross to Man City when he went to a new contract, still did this very day. He's not really as hated as you. Imagine Rooney said he went to cross to Liverpool. Okay. You'd have seen the conversation be completely different. So, I hope you're trying to get what I'm trying to say that it's a rivalry, yes, but it's not as revered or it's not as um, it's not seen as it's not as toxic as the one with Liverpool. If you get what I'm trying to say. So, that's why I've always I've always wondered why 
a lot of fans you know see see it this way why a lot of fans you know i guess i remember last season a lot of fans like oh don't join man city and which is i understand this that decision though and for me even if i didn't want to join man city, i think ronaldo would have been at that age where he would have probably just joined just go out and play, play the rest of your days and just see it out listen ronaldo is a top player he's him and messi they've done well they've they've set the standard so high that i personally do not think anybody will be able to meet it in this current generation this current crop of players right you could argue about Haaland, you could argue about Mbappe, but I don't think these two guys are touching Ronaldo and Messi's um, feet. I mean, those guys, they, at the, I, the level those guys operated at was so high that I don't really know. I don't really think there's anybody. Listen, even if you want to say, if you want to come back, talk about Haaland and Mbappe, I don't, I don't agree at all. You know why I do not agree? Because if you watch the all-round games of these two guys and watch the all-round games of Messi and Ronaldo, you will know that there's no way in hell these two guys are even touching Ronaldo and Messi in terms of their impact. It's, the, it's down to recency bias again, like I said. So... Is that the reason by his most recent performance? Oh, we like this guy because most recently he has looked better, he has looked good. So why not? You know, most people and, and you will also argue that a lot of people didn't really see Messi and Ronaldo a lot. Because now if I think sometimes there's a generational there's a there's a there's a different form of generational gap we're seeing in football and it's beginning to show on social media. You know, for example, Messi and Ronaldo. How many people today on social media, how many football fans that are currently maybe 16 year olds, um, 18 year olds for example right how many of them really saw Ronaldo and Messi I'm talking about because okay for, on average the average football fan becomes a football fan at maybe 10 on average right average football fan maybe starts becoming knowledgeable about football at 16 so let's say um if you were 16 in 2012 if you were 16 in 2000 and, let's say if you're between the age of 6, 15 to 18 in 2010 between 2010 2000 I don't know 16, 2017, or 2018, if you're within that age range, or let's say at the most crucial year of Messi and Ronaldo's um, competition was 2012, right? that was like the peak of it, the Classico, Real Madrid versus Barcelona, if you were at that, if you were, if you were very aware of football at that time, you probably never, you will not even make the mistake of saying Mbappe and Haaland, you will never make that mistake, so that's why I'm saying that I'm not even going, I've changed, in fact, eh, even if you want to say, I don't think anybody's touching those two guys. I really don't. I, I do not. So, and again, you know, football fans on Twitter, when they say you can understand generational gap, you see, you see it when they text like that. You see it sometimes when they talk like that. So that's why I can understand why people make those kind of opinions. But that's why they were saying. Ronaldo's interview with Piers Morgan, I have some thoughts on it. Now, the entire view interview is not out. So I don't even know why a lot of people are making conclusions off of clips. And again, it's an interview. It's clips. It's a short clip. So they're going to gather hype. And it's going to be edited in the way to make it to generate conversation i think the the tweet you, 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 i said before i started recording it was seven million views on twitter on piers morgan's twitter account so it's piers morgan on, on censored so it means that it's generating a lot of traffic so it is designed to generate conversations i i don't think you can draw conclusions based off of those edited clips that decided to you know to pick talking points i think you'll get a lot more viewing watching so it's a two-point interview on wednesday and thursday so i don't think you can really give your i can't give a lot of opinions on that till after but what i can say is this i'm not give, i can't give opinions on the the view or whatever i said but i can really give opinions after i've watched it but what i can say is this it is quite sad to see I, although I, I saw baby Ronaldo talking about respect i think i rather what i want to watch that in context to really know what he's talking about yes he talked about not being sure respect. I, I saw some people don't want him at the club Yes, but you know, when I mean in context, I mean there's a long form conversation between. So I really want to watch that. I really know to get my to get to form my own opinions on. So I'm not really forming opinions on that. But my opinion on this is right. For him to come out and do this, I think his, his career at United is over. I personally think it's over. I personally think it's it's at that point where both parties should just shake hands and just say goodbye. And it's sad. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
it is sad that lineage status at United is really under jeopardy. Or rather, if it's not destroyed by now already, it's probably already destroyed. His lineage status, and it is this right? It has it has tanked. I mean, people remind him as a great footballer, but the sad thing is, he's gonna remember more for this than his other exploit at United, and that's really sad. You know, he spoke about how he's in the in the short clip. He talked about Ferguson saying he shouldn't join Man City and all that. You know. Again, you know, you would wonder, even if you do want to dream, I personally think he should have come back to United. I personally think he should have stayed away. Maybe maybe gone to PSG, earned some big money and just played the rest of his days. Go to maybe gone to um go to a league or somewhere. You know, go to America, go to America, go somewhere, just go earn money and just chill. I understand but the mentality Ronaldo has is at the level he play, the way he mentality he has, he really thinks that he's still at that, he's still that 25 year old who, st- who can still run, who can still do things. And I understand it's his mentality and it's not a bad thing. But I personally think he should have, you know, should have really come to the England. And he scored 18 goals. I mean, that was like the, I think that was like the last he could give. And a lot of the performances he was putting in for United last season, even at that age, at that level, I just really think, I think he was really, he was really, he was really good last season. Excuse me. So. For me, I really think it's probably something that should have happened in the first place. He also said something about Oli being sacked and then bringing in, um, um, what's his name, um, Rag Ragnick. He's, he's a sporting director, not a manager, and Ronaldo was talking about the club structure. So, this sort of confirmed a lot of things I was saying. I personally thought, the, I always thought the structure at United was very, very, wasn't very good. The structure, it depends on Ronaldo, how much he, maybe he thought he could save it. I don't know if he thought he could save it or how much... He didn't know how bad it was. I'm not going to come here and claim I know better than Ronaldo because as a footballer, obviously, they have better insider information than us average football fans. But I would say this, right? I really think that um, maybe he thought that he could have do better. The information he had on ground, maybe he thought he could, do, he could do enough. Maybe he thought that. Or it could be that he he just let the emotional side of him cover his cloud his judgment. Because now, it doesn't look good. It doesn't, it doesn't look good for both parties, right? United fans don't like him now. I mean, they, against remember the game against Spurs when he refused to come on against Spurs. Yeah, they, they, he won and he refused to come on and he walked off the pitch. In the summer also, when there was story of him wanting to leave and went to join Champions, could join Champions League club, you know those banter stuff. And then we, you know, the, those the summer. And then you remember also, um, even recently, I think he got suspended even after they when he walked off. So it doesn't look good. This this second season so far for him hasn't looked good with United. So I don't really think I don't really think. I think it's, it's there's no coming back from this. There's no going back from this. And even United look more fluid without him, which is quite sad. It's hard to take, but it's just the truth. It's hard to accept, but it's true. They look more fluid, you know, more. They play much better. It doesn't mean he's a bad player, as I say, but fitting him into their team right now, I think yeah, they look better. So it hasn't ended well so far. Remember, I, I made this comparison and I will say it again. Messi and Ronaldo, I see them as in the, the managerial version of both of them. Is Mourinho and Guardiola, right? Or rather, Guardiola and Mourinho. Guardiola for Messi, Ronaldo for Mourinho. Mourinho sees the thing with Guardiola. Guardiola will always take the. When I say the easy ride, I'm talking about um, clubs where he can. He's, don't get it to say he's still a top manager. When I mean easy, I mean clubs where you don't really have to. You're not there to. You're not going to be this. Yes, you're you're you are good. You are still able to flex your muscles as as a really top as a top professional in your area of expertise, right? In your discipline. But you're not going to be, you're not going to turn water into wine. You're not going to somewhere to turn water into wine. You're going to turn maybe, I'm not an expert in wine, but f- forgive me if I make any mistake. Um, let's say, 
Um, I don't know. Maybe you're not. Let's just say you're not going to turn water into wine. You're not going. <laughs> let me use soft drinks, right? You're not going to turn. You're, at least you're going there to turn. Maybe I won't say. Will I say Coca-Cola? To, will I use Coca-Cola to Pepsi comparison? I'm struggling. I don't really know the one to use here, but I hope you get what I'm trying to say. You're not going to turn water into wine. That's what you expected. And even if you manage to turn water into wine, you you're not, basically you're not going to do a tough decision. You're, you, it's only it's only as much wine you can turn water into. You're not Jesus Christ, right? So that's my point here. These two managers, the way they, the decisions they made over their along the over their career course of their career has shown. For example, Guardiola, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Man City, right? Look at Mourinho, Porto, Chelsea. No, not was Porto, not Porto. Sorry, there was a club before. That. I can't remember the club. Uh, before Porto, there was a club, right? Um, so there's a club for. I can't remember the club. Um, is it Boavista? I can't remember the club Mourinho manager, but he managed at one club before Porto. So. Let's say that club, Porto, Chelsea, Inter Milan, um, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Spurs, Roma. Now, if you look at Guardiola and Mourinho, these are my dear careers. If you look at Pep, Barcelona he took over from, right? They eventually became the dominant side. La Liga, yes, you could argue they... And, uh, Real, Madrid, Real Madrid were not even the dominant side at the time. So, it was, was still, there was still really no def- definitive... Between both of them, it wasn't even definitive who was the powerhouse eventually. Because remember the Galacticos, they still didn't win the Liga title. That's why the Galacticos, the squad they assembled. So, with Real Madrid, with Barcelona, Barcelona ended up dominating La Liga. We were winning in year in, year out. It was like a normal thing. I remember every year, I mean, I remember 2012, was it 2012, 2011, when I had to cut my hair. Um, was it? Was it? I think that was 100. Okay, that was 100 points since when Real Madrid won 100 points. So the teams were last taking over. They are the ones that were more likely to win. You get my point. More like not like they were starting to win, but more likely to win than not. The one Marina taking over were were seen as more of the underdogs than the top dogs. For example, at um, Chelsea, Chelsea were trying to on were top. They were trying to topple Manchester United. They were trying to overpower Manchester United. They were trying to, trying to take over. Um, Ruffle the feathers of Manchester United. They're trying to break the United Arsenal uh, duopoly where they were dominating the league at the time, right? More of United, more it was more of United dominating though. But back to the point, they're, they're trying to ruffle off. They're, they're coming from a position where they're trying to ruffle off the feathers. Moreno came in. Oh, Arsenal were just invincible off the back after that was the season after United were invincible. That was the season when they joined, right? And then they won the league, and then you know won the league again, and then they left in the third season. So Moreno went Inter Milan. Inter Milan, they were not really, they were not really the dominant ones, right? Moreno went there, eventually took over, it took over, and then became champions, right? In the Champions League, also they were like underdogs. Knockout Barcelona won the Champions League, you know, in the final against Bayern Munich. Quite, a, they were quite an underdog compared to Bayern Munich in that final. So that's why they were like, at um, Real Madrid, they were quite, an, yes, that's why Real Madrid's wealth, they were quite an underdog, okay? To compare to Barcelona at the time, because they were dominating the league, dominating La Liga, recording very high points uh, tally every season and high goal scoring returns every season. Real Madrid were like finishing second, third, getting knocked out in the Champions League in the sixth round of 16. I think they got knocked out by Leon in one of the Champions League. Mourinho came in, changed things. So, underdog, right? Changed things around, turned things around. At, um, at, um, at, um, oh god, sorry. After Real Madrid, came back to Chelsea. Chelsea hadn't won the league at the time. It was just Man City. Man City just won the league. They hadn't won the league in, the long t- in quite some time. Came back, won the league with Chelsea. Um, went to Manchester United also. Manchester United were quite an underdog, per se, because they not really look like themselves again. Then as far as also, then Roma. If you look at, compare these two players, the, Mor- Mor- Mourinho is more of a manager who 
wants to do a job, even if it means going to a difficult situation. As my name said, he was already hated Manchester before he joined there. He had already joined them anyways. At Spurs, the same thing. Then Roma, not really much, but if you, they, are, these, they are not compared to the Real Madrid, the, the Chelsea and the Inter Milan levels that Mourinho managed that. Those two teams, yes, he managed to uh, to topple the, the dominance at the time, but over time, you'll get tired eventually. I mean, your powers will do it at some point and it's it's tell on you eventually. But you see, Guardiola, he has... So, look at Messi, for example. Messi, all his life, Barcelona, from Barcelona, now he's at PSG. Messi was winning trophies every season at, P- at Barcelona, right? Winning the Liga, winning Copa de Rey, winning, winning, winning every season. Back at, now at PSG also, the same thing. Soft life, playing, you know, in a more... In a more Compared, not in a more less more withdrawn role, in a more less less impact in the way he plays, um, less intensity the way he plays to play compared to play for. So he's more of a soft life, playing with Mbappe and Neymar, having fun, playing really really well, right? Look, compared to Ronaldo, Ronaldo. Now he has this. I'm not saying that no, obviously Juventus, you are the dominant team in La Liga in uh, Syria, winning uh, Syria every season. I get it, but if you compare that to Ronaldo, Ronaldo likes a challenge. My point, why I compare Ronaldo and Mourinho here yeah, was because. In personalities, there are players, people, there are personalities who like challenges, who believe that they can change something, right? And that's who both of them are. And clearly, it shows in the way they play, in the way they perform, in their game. It shows they're going for a challenge. They're trying to turn things around. And, you know, kudos to them. But eventually, to tell on you, and as he stands, I think he saw that himself, thought he was going to turn this around at Manchester United, and probably that's what he thought. And sadly, it hasn't looked like that so far. Again, his legendary status. I think if he didn't want to join Man City, he should have just not come to England. Just probably maybe not stay in Juventus. Juventus has turned toxic. Fine, leave Juventus, go to PSG, go and play with Messi. You know, make a lot of money, see the rest of your career, and just go there. Probably wanted a challenge. I'm not going to blame him for it. Again, it's his personality. He wants a challenge, and sadly, it hasn't looked good for 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 both parties. And that's that's. It's really sad, though, boy. It is what it is. It's one of those things where you you just feel sad. Again, but. I, I think between Messi and Ronaldo so far, between both of them, legacy-wise, both of them, you know, the, the papers will sort of tilt to Messi's side because towards the end of Messi's career, you can see that there's really no much controversy, apart from maybe the way he left Barcelona, but other than that, really not much. Now, Ronaldo having this interview, it's going, how it's going to, what it's going to tell on his image, I'm, I'm not, a lot of United fans might see sense in what he's doing and understand what he's doing. But a lot of fans may not, because a lot of fans believe in this, you know, um, nobody's bigger than the club, da 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 da, do not say bad about the club, and, you know, I get it. But Ronaldo comes across as a smart person, so obviously, you can see that maybe he knows what he's very well about, he's probably prepared every avenue possible. Probably he's very well aware of what he's doing. Before he's willing to do this, he's, so, I don't know, he's risking his reputation among United fans, risking his career among United fans, so it's, it happens. But at that level where he's, he has achieved a lot in the game, Ronaldo will always be a great in the game, so it's not really a case of, or if or whatever, it's, gonna, it's not going to ruin his legacy. It's just maybe among United fans, they might just see, see him differently now. But that's my take. And um, I look forward to watching the interview, um, the two interviews, and then I'll give my take on it. By the time I watch it, and I will come online and, you know, I will record and talk about it. I, I don't know if, we'll see though, but we'll see. When I watch it, I will come and give my take on it, and after I fully watch, finish watching it. But, um, yeah, thanks for listening, and um, World Cup starts next week. Um, we'll do a World Cup. I think I'll do, I'll do a World Cup. We'll do a World, we'll have World Cup shows, and um, hopefully we'll, we'll have a very good World Cup in terms of play and all that. Um, you all know my thoughts on the World Cup and how you know I think it's gonna impact the players. I, we don't know that, but football inside of it, we might just look out for it and just watch and just see how it goes. Oh, quickly before I go, there was a Netflix documentary of the World Cup um, 
controversy, right? Um, how team compl- um, op- um, executives were bribed, officials were bribed across different um, um, CONCACAF federations, across different federations, and you know, and all that. So we'll see. But I've not watched, I've not seen that yet. I will have to probably have to watch that and probably share my own thoughts on that in one of the next episodes. Maybe I might combine it with the Ronaldo one. Uh, maybe for we'll see though we'll see where it goes but yeah thanks for listening and um i wish everybody have a good World Cup. a team i'm rooting for i do not know i'm torn between brazil uruguay and um senegal i'm torn between these three teams i don't really know which one i would root for um i like brazil obviously because of um not because of richardson apart from richardson because of um in general, also like Argentina, I think Argentina are the more balanced team because if you could look at Argentina squad, you can you can easily form an 11 that is formidable. A 3 4 1 2, they can play a 3 4 1 2, where a, they can play a 3 4 1 2, or maybe sorry, a four a diamond 4 4 2, right? They can play a diamond where you have Romero and Martinez at center back pairing, right full back, um, Noel Molina, Noel Molina, left back Tagliafico, um, the midfield three, they could play who. Alexis McAllister, they can play um, Rodrigo De Paul. Um, one more person on the other side, I can't remember. Somebody's escaping my head right now, I can't remember who that person is. Rodrigo De Paul, McAllister is the last midfield that is on the, on the left side. I'm trying to remember. Um, anyway, they play Messi at the tip of the diamond and they play front two of Alvarez and Lataro Martinez, or they could play Di Maria, they could play for. They could, play, they could play a system. Di Maria can even play. They can play Messi as one of the two up front with Di Maria behind. So it's. But I remember Argentina have a lot of options. Sorry, Argentina, Argentina are probably the most bad. And also goalkeeper uh, Martinez, who's playing very well at Aston Villa. So Argentina have quite a very good squad, and I think they are probably the most balanced. It will be a very formidable opponent at the World Cup. So we'll see how how they perform. I think it's going to be an interesting World Cup. I really do. Yeah, Enzo Fernandez. That's what I remember. Enzo Fernandez, the other midfielder. I think it's going to be have a very good World Cup. I think it's going to be a very very good World Cup. The teams on show. Um, the regular suspects, they are, they, they, they come with a good squad. Netherlands, obviously, Netherlands come with a good squad. I mean, they have Ake, their back three. They, they are playing. I think they played three-five-two, so they come with Ake, um, Van Dijk, and um, Timba. They could play who? I mean, Vetman is is Dutch, so midfield also. They have Coop Miners. They have Derun. They've got um, Vanadom. Maybe not Vanadom. Maybe not ten level, but still, Vanadom is still at least formidable. Opponent. They've got Dumfries right back. They've got you know, the Netherlands have quite a very good, quite a good squad, and they look and the, the, the system they play suits the players they have. But yeah, I think I've dwelled too much on this. So thanks for listening and have a nice um, weekend and bye.